was sharing something with uh, Josh yesterday. I like statistics, but I don't like statistics. The Barna Group some years ago had uh, did a poll, and out of 350,000 churches in America, in 10-year time, less than 50% of them had had one soul, one for Jesus Christ. And that burdened me so bad. That's an indictment against the kingdom of God. What's a church for? A church is not just so we can have a feel-good place. A church that we have right here is for a soul to be changed, to be like Jesus. To put aside the garbage and the filth of the world and become like Jesus is. Amen? A, couple of year, a few years ago... My daughter and another young lady and I were standing in Jackson Square in New Orleans during Mardi Gras. And there was a man walked by, and I said, hey, sir, can I talk to you for just a moment? He walked over to where I was at, and I asked him a question. I said, sir, have you ever met Jesus? And he began to tell me about his life. He said, mister, he said, I own five businesses. He said, I can have anything in the world that I want. He said, I've been gay for 17 years, and I've had the same lover for 13 years. And he looked at me, and he said, but you're the first man that ever told me Jesus loved me. That broke my heart. And as I talked to him, he would walk over to a pillar over there, and he'd cry, and he'd come back, and we'd talk a little bit longer, and he'd walk away and cry and come back. And finally, he said, man, i got to get out of here. And he walked away. And as I saw him walk away, I told my daughter and this other young lady, I said, we're going to stand right here. That guy's coming back. Sure enough, about 15 minutes later, here he come back. And he said, mister, I don't have no idea why I'm here. I said, I know exactly why you're here. I said, the Holy Spirit brought you back here so that you could know Jesus Christ. And I shared with him a while longer, and he finally just walked away. Did he ever accept Jesus? Not in front of me, but he got the gospel poured into him, so he has hope in his life. But I want to tell you something. There's not a soul out there that just has problems. They've got a sin problem. They've got something that only you and I have an answer for. His name is Jesus, and without sharing Jesus, the world is going to stay lost. You can have all the fluff and all the stuff and all the toys in your church, but unless there's an anointing of the Holy Spirit that reaches out for that lost soul, it's just another meeting time. I was preaching one time uh, down on a bad area of the city, and whenever I finished, there was this young black boy. He came running as hard as he could. He said, Mr. Jimmy, Mr. Jimmy, man, I got to get saved. I got to get saved. I thought, wow. So we walked over to the bleachers there at one of the parks, and he knelt down. I mean, he threw his hands up. Jesus, save me, save me, save me. After he got through, I said, Ricky, I said, what is so, so, I mean, so terrible that you had to get saved so quick? He said, Mr. Jimmy, my girlfriend's daddy's after me with a gun. Man, I got to get saved. <laughs> and I thought, you know what? I wish everybody had somebody after them with a gun so they'd get saved. <laughs> we were invited a few years back to come invade East Dallas. And of course, there are some bad areas in East Dallas, and of course, some of y'all probably very well know that. 
but there were some bad slums. And so I took some teams. I, I trained the church over there in, in, in East Dallas, and we took teams over into the, over into the projects, and oh, it was hot and sweaty, and, and most of the people didn't have an air conditioner. And, I mean, it, it, it was bad. And all of a sudden, I walked up to this lady, had one of my team members with me, and walked up to this lady. She was just about ready to go into her apartment. And I said, ma'am, I said, have you ever met Jesus? She said, no, sir, but I sure would like to. No sales pitch. I'm sitting there scratching my head. I said, man, this ain't, this ain't the way we're supposed to be, you know. I, I, I'm supposed to preach this lady. But she said, no, sir, but I'd like to. So we stopped right then. We prayed, and she invited Jesus into her heart. And she said, what's happening? I said, that's just Jesus. She walked into that place where she lived, a changed person. And the thing about it is, folks, is there's no magic in this thing. It's just being bold enough to say Jesus loves you. Amen. How many of y'all ever heard of Dave Reaver? He had most of his face blown off in Vietnam, and he held a meeting for us in Odessa. And we'd gone to a little restaurant after the meeting was over, and of course, that was one of those nights. Actually, his ear did fall off. He's got a whole bucket of ears, by the way. Uh, they're just glued on or stuck on. And the guy that sang with us had had a uh, some music that he had given to Dave to take to his wife, and we, we'd gone to the restaurant, and and Dave and his team was sitting at a booth across over here, and we were sitting over here, and all of a sudden Dave gets up and he said, "Hey Dean," he and he put his ear on the side of that that tape, and he said, "Man, I was listening to your music, but you got so loud I had to turn it down." But that night. There was a young lady walks up to our seat. She's got a wet towel wrapped around her arm. You're going to understand why I'm telling you these stories in a minute. She had just poured boiling chocolate on her arm. And I said, young lady, I said, can we pray for you? I said, God wants to heal you. I didn't ask her if she was saved. I said, God wants to touch you. And, in fact, there's a question I ask people all the time. I say, how many Christians did Jesus heal when he walked on earth? He never healed a one because there wasn't no such thing as a Christian then. He just healed people to draw them to him. And this young lady said, yes, sir, y'all pray for me. We just reached out, joined hands there at the restaurant and prayed. The next night we went back in. She didn't have a mark on her arm. Jesus shows up. And shows out. But you know what I've learned? He's looking for somebody that will say, here am I, Lord. Because, see, God can only work through us. He's not going to send Jesus back to do the work again, and he's not going to send an angel. He's looking for somebody not with ability, but somebody that has availability. And I'll tell you what, it's an it's a awesome thing to be available to Jesus Christ. I want to look at a couple of verses this morning, 
and I was told I had all day long to preach, so I really wasn't told that. I just told a lie. But I'm going to look for just a few moments at a couple of portions of Scripture because I want you to grab something here today. John chapter 3. And I know somebody says, yeah, it's going to 316. No, I'm not. John chapter 3 verse 1 says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God. I'm, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. And I stopped there. That's really all I need to go to right now. I stopped there because I want you to understand something. Whenever you were born, whose DNA did you get? Who, somebody speak to me. Whose DNA did you get? Your mom and daddy's. When you were born, you got your mom and daddy's DNA. And I have a feeling some of you look probably like your mom and daddy. In fact, my daughter can't deny that she's mine. Sometimes she wishes she could. She's leading worship this morning at our church. My son's preaching. Man, I'm blessed. Wow, I'm blessed. In fact, I was showing somebody a while ago a picture of my great-grandbabies. I'm blessed. My daughter looks like me, and my son looks a lot like my wife. If you watch them, their demeanor is also a lot like mine or my wife's. But you see, the thing is, Jesus said you must be born again. So whenever you're born again, what you do, you take on the DNA of the one you're born of. All of a sudden, you're not just human. People say, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Don't tell me that. I'm not just a sinner saved by grace. I'm a blood-bought, blood-washed, born-again believer, not a doubter, tongue-talking, faith-walking son of God. You're not going to convince me of anything else. And the beauty of it is, when you're born again, Jesus gives you his DNA from him and the Father and the Holy Spirit so that you can look like him, you can act like him, and you can be empowered by him to do the works that he does. When Jesus died and went away, he said, I'm not going to be with you any longer. He said, well, I'm going to send the Spirit of God. He said, he won't just be with you, he will be in you. And if the power and the Spirit of God is in you, then the same things Jesus did when he was on earth, you can work too because he's here and he's in you. I want you to grab this because Satan will try to make you think and feel like you can't, you won't, you shouldn't. I got news for that sucker. I can, I will, and I'm going to. Amen? And I realize, brother, let, let, me, let me speak to you a minute. Let me tell you something. When the Holy Spirit tells you to minister to somebody, I can assure you it's not your flesh that wants to do it. And I can assure you it ain't the devil that wants to do it, so it must be God. I was riding down the street one night, and, of course, the Holy Spirit had a bad habit of waking me up at 12 o'clock and telling me to go. And I just tell my wife, I said, baby, I got to go. She just turned over and go back to sleep. And I tell my 
Of course, I get in trouble a lot. Because <laughs> I don't finish a lot of my stories, and so it sounds like something that it's not. But I've been guilty. I, I go out and pick up prostitutes, tell them about Jesus. Somebody says, well, what's people going to think? I don't care. I really don't. I care about what he thinks. I've been kicked out of a lot of bars. I've ministered and preached in a lot of bars. I've preached in pizza huts. I've preached, well, what if, what if so-and-so, I don't care. What if sister so-and-so from the church sees you? Well, take it up with Jesus, not me. I was driving down the street one night, and, and it was midnight. And there was a little shack, had a little light on on the front porch, and the Holy Spirit says, stop right there. And I informed God of what time it was. He didn't know. I said, but, Lord, it's 12 o'clock. So I drove around the block. I come back around. He said, I said, stop. But, God, it's 1215. But then he spoke something into my spirit. He said, you remember what you tell the people that you train to be quick to obey the Holy Spirit? Yes, Lord. So I stopped, and I walked up and knocked on the door. I felt a little bit strange at 1215 at night knocking on somebody's door. But this little frail gentleman come to the door. And I said, sir, I have no idea why I'm here. I said, I just know God told me to stop. I said, is, is there a need in your house? And I mean, the, his, his little old house wasn't as big as, this, big as this stage. He said, yes, sir. He said, my wife's real sick, and I don't have any money to get her medication, and we don't have any food. You know, God didn't know that. I said, sir, can I come in and pray for your wife? Well, sure. I went in and prayed for his wife. and I said, sir, I said, I'll be right back. And I went and got some Tylenol, and I got some food. Why did God tell me to stop there? Because those people needed some help and they needed Jesus. And then I went back the next day and took some food. But you see the DNA of Jesus, the DNA, that, that, that life-giving force and source in you will cause you to do things that Jesus would want you to do. Amen? You don't have to worry about what people think. Who cares? I want to know what Jesus thinks. Whenever I stand before him, I'm going to give an account to him for what I do, not for what you do or you think. i got to give an account for me. He doesn't want us to judge anybody. He wants us to get them saved and set free. Amen. I want you to look with me for just a couple moments so at some things because that DNA, is, I mean, it means so much. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says, Jesus came not but for to seek and to save that which is lost. What did Jesus come for? So we could have goosebumps, look good, feel good, and be happy? No. It says, Jesus came not but for to seek and to save that which is lost. And if you have the DNA of Jesus and Jesus lives in you, he had never changed his mind. He's still trying to reach that soul. He doesn't want them to go to hell. I asked the father a call several months ago because we've got a, a home for these guys coming out of prison. There's so many of them, they'll, they'll do good for a year, and then they just bite the dust. And I said, Father, what's going on? Why? 
And after a little bit, the Lord said this. He said, I set before you life and death. You choose. You choose. We've got a choice to make. I choose to serve Jesus. I choose to say, God, I want to do what you want me to do. Because you see, and I'm not going, man, I've only got so many hours to preach here. I tell you what, when it, when it comes to this subject, man, I tell you what, that, that, that's something that's on my heart. Because everywhere I go, all I do is see souls that need Jesus. I go in a restaurant, God, I see souls. I watch television, God save that person. God save that person. God save that person. Because I want them saved. The Holy Spirit wants them saved. But Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. But I want you to grab something here. Out of Luke chapter 4. Verse 18, for all you Bible school students, that's the third book in the New Testament. Luke chapter 4, in fact, it's on page 2134. Jesus went in and sat down in the temple, and he picked up the Word of God, and he began to read. But I, I, want, I want you to look at this in a new light today. We always look at it in, in the respect. We'll look at all Jesus did. But I want you to look at it from the, from the standpoint of where you're at today, whether you're in college, whether you're, 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 wherever you're at, spirit-filled, whatever. I want you to look at it the way Jesus showed it to me. He sat down and he read. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because... How do I know the Spirit of the Lord is upon me? Because I talk in tongues? I can say Shondal I see all day long, don't mean nothing. <laughs> kind of like the little Italian guys at a tent meeting one time. He got bored with it. He went back out and he let a motor scooter was gone. He runs back into the auditorium. Who stole my Honda? Who stole my Honda? Said a three week revival broke out. <laughs> The rest of you will get that in a little bit. I thought he was talking in tongues. <laughs> the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because, because. And I want you all to, I want to preface it with this. I grew up in a Pentecostal Holy Ghost church, and I'm proud of it. We'd run, shout, dance, praise God, and then go out and live like a devil. I'm serious. I've seen so many. It would run and shout, hoop and holler, and knock over chairs and crawl over the, the you know the benches, everything else, and then walk out and there was nothing there. But what did Jesus say? He said, "The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. How do I know? Because He has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor." How do I know that the Spirit of God is on me, consuming me, and working through me? Not because I feel good, jump, run, dance, have goosebumps, or talk in a good tongue, but it's because of the works that he's doing through me. And the same thing with you. You can declare Pentecost or anything else you want to, but unless there's something there that's showing the work of Jesus, you better doubt what you just said. There's got to be some 
performance. There's got to be something there that says Jesus is living in me and through me. Hallelujah. Walked in a bar one time, a strip joint, and walked through handing out gospel tracts, and the, and the owner followed me out. Sucker cussed me out. He said, that ain't no blankety-blank way to win nobody to Jesus. You get back in there and talk to him. <laughs> Something's going to muck here a little bit, you know. Huh? I'm not sure what it is. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't think so either. <laughs> but I want you to look with me for just a moment in the book of Mark. The book of Mark, chapter 15. Book of Mark, chapter 16, rather, verse 15. When Jesus was about done with ministry, he was given some final instructions. And he said to them, go into the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And folks, there's no middle ground. It's either or. Even you here this morning, if you don't know Jesus, there's no purgatory. It's either or. And that's why it's so critical to me. But I want you to look at verse 17. And these signs will. Everybody say will. He said, these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes and, with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. I had the privilege a few years back, they was having a... a all-black Baptist revival, and they wanted me to preach. I kind of scratched my head on that one, too. I said, are you sure you want me to preach? Oh, yeah. I said, are you sure? Yeah. I said, well, I'm just going to preach what the Holy Spirit lays on my heart. So one of the first questions I ask, I said, how many of you are believers? In fact, if I ask you here this morning, how many of you are believers? Probably all of you would raise your hand. But I said this, I said, but let's take the litmus test. Let's take the acid test. I said, these signs will follow them that believe. They cast out devils. <laughs> you know, when's the last time anybody in America really saw demons cast out? We put them in the institutions. We don't want it to be hard on us there was a man come into my office one day and I don't allow alcohol in my office but this one time I did he had a beer and I, that guy would just like this and he said man Jimmy get rid of this demon man get rid of this demon I said no I'm going to share the word of God with you first and he'd reach down and he'd get that beer and he'd drink a little bit of it and he'd calm down I found out that he drank a case of beer a day plus a half a fifth of whiskey every day, and he could still walk a straight line. 
His name was Thomas. And after about 20 minutes of sharing the Word of God, he said, man, i got to get out of here. I said, no, now it's time to pray. He stood up. And, and, and I want you to grab what I'm about to say. Whenever he stood up and I put my hand on his shoulder, I just stood there kind of like this to talk to him. And all of a sudden, demons started talking to me. Oh, Thomas. I mean, this is one of them stupid voices, you know. Isn't it funny how he tries to be mean? But he's so puny and weak if we, if we really look at it that way. And he said, I own Thomas. He said, you don't have any authority to do anything. And I just looked at him and grinned. I said, you know what, Satan? You're right. I don't. But Jesus in me does. I said, in Jesus' name, come out of him now. Pow! That sucker hit the ground. I'm serious. He did like a dead man. I thought I'd kill him. So I just knelt down there with him, just put my hand on his. This Father in Jesus' name, just take care of him. After about two or three minutes, he woke up. He was just stone cold sober. He said, man, he said, I don't know what happened. He said, I've been on drugs and alcohol, but I ain't never felt like this. He said, what happened? I said, it's just Jesus. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. He didn't come to seeking to save the drug addict, alcoholic, prostitute, homosexual, pervert, you know, religion. He came to seeking to save the lost. He doesn't specify which one he wants. He said, I came to save those that are lost and going to hell. He said, I don't want anybody to go to hell. But you know who he has to use? He has to use you and I to go do the work that he came to start. And he's looking for people to say, God, I don't have any ability, but God, I'm sure available. Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. I'll speak what you want me to speak. I'll go where you want me to go. You don't always know what you're going to say or do, but I can assure you God knows what to do and how to get people set free. I'm going to go to one more portion of Scripture, and I want you to grab this. This is in Matthew chapter 10. If you notice, I'm old school. I use a Bible. We use overheads and stuff. In fact, I was watching Keith Kraft this morning. And he had a phone about the size of Josh's here. And that's what he was preaching off of. I couldn't even see the thing. And I thought it was cool. But Matthew chapter 10. I'm going to start with verse 7. He said, as you go preach this message... The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give it away. Did you grab that? Freely you've received it. Now go give it away. Freely you've received. Freely give it away. Peter and John were walking by the gate. Beautiful. And there was a man that had been laying there for years and years and years every day begging for alms. And whenever they walked by, now I want you to catch this. I'm about finished. Say, everybody say, thank you, Jesus. As they walked by, 
They had just come from a Holy Ghost experience. They had just had the day of Pentecost experience where they had a, a, a dynamic meeting with the Holy Ghost. So it wasn't just a day as usual. I'm just wondering how many days are just usual for us. We need a fresh anointing every day. My God. I get up in the morning just worshiping Jesus. People say, I put my armor on this morning. I didn't take mine off. I, I hear so many people, uh, I got up this morning and put my spiritual armor on. What would you take the thing off for, stupid? I get up in the middle of the night go to the bathroom. The devil's liable to attack me then. I ain't pulling my armor off. But all of a sudden, Peter and John walks by, and there's something new about their. They've seen this guy before. They've seen him several times before. But this time, whenever they walked by, they said, Sir, look on us. He thought, Well, I'm going to get some money here. They said, silver and gold we don't have, but what I've got, what I've got, I'm going to give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He didn't just get up and walk, baby. He got up, bounced into that, that sanctuary, jumping and dancing and praising God and embarrassed all the religious people. It's about time the religious people got embarrassed. It's about time that we showed them that there's really a power in Jesus Christ. It's not about just going to having a church on Sunday morning and feeling good about it. It's about walking in Walmart and seeing some demon-possessed person set free. It's about going into Starbucks and getting somebody saved over there having a prayer meeting. Because, you see, it's not about the church. I wanna, I, God didn't call you to go to church. He called you to be the church. He didn't call us to go start this. He called us to be the church in a lost world because they need Jesus. There's a statement, and I was sharing this with Josh last night out of Mark Batterson's book, All In. If you hadn't read it, you ought to get it. Man, it's powerful. But he said, we have so weakened or, 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 or manipulated the kingdom of God by allowing people to buy in without selling out. It's still okay to, to, to live the kind of life that you're living. No, it's not. When Jesus comes, he changes us. He said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away, all things become new. I ask the people in my church all the time, I said, how many of you are saved but nothing ever happened? I said, then you're a liar. Because when Jesus comes, he does what he says he'll do. He changes you to be like him. And whenever he changes you, Satan will try to manipulate that and weaken what God is doing in your life so that you'll never affect anybody else on a positive note. Because you're not the old person. You're not the one you used to be. You're a new person in Christ with all the authority and the power of God Almighty. Let me tell you something. There's not a one of you in here that's filled with the Holy Spirit that doesn't have the authority to cast demons out. There's not a one of you in here. And you don't wrestle with demons, you cast them out. You don't argue with them, you cast them out. You walk in the authority of God because you belong to him. And when he lives in you and through you, all the authority of heaven and earth is resident in 
you. I love to watch people pray. I can tell you a lot about their spiritual life by the way they pray. Oh, God, come down and heal. No, God ain't going to come nowhere. He's already done it. Now he lives in you to perform it. You understand? I get tickled at people taking authority over the devil. I command you to go back to hell from whence you came. That sucker ain't never been in hell. How can he go back where he ain't been? He tells you to take authority, though. Understand? God wants to empower overflow church so that it will do what the name says, overflow out of here into that out there. Because, Josh, you know me well enough. If this is what you've got in here, it's almost useless. It has to outflow out there to affect the people God wants to affect. I've actually had people say, I don't know any sinners. Did you wake up this morning? You walk out this, this look around in here, you'll probably meet a few. Not everybody in here is set free, filled with the Holy Ghost and the power of God. You need to be. Jesus came to set you free. Amen. And I'm going to finish with that because God wants me to pray for you. Let me ask you a question. How many of you want to walk in the power of God? Let me see your hand. Don't raise your hand if you don't. You want to walk in the power of God. You want to, and, and it's not just about being bold, because you can be bold and just be arrogant. <laughs> in fact, whenever I first started preaching on the street when I was 16 years old, I'd seen somebody do this, and I thought, man, it'd be, be cool. Guy walks up to me, has a pack of cigarettes. I just grab it, throw it on the ground, and stomp on it. That was the stupidest thing I could have done. That wasn't God. That was flesh. See, you don't have to be stupid. You be obedient. Let me ask you, when people see you, what do they see? Do they see Jesus? Or do they see you? I want them to see Jesus. My wife and I have people everywhere. Can you pray for me? Can you pray for me? Can you help me? I want them to see Jesus. I talk about Starbucks a lot. I like Starbucks. But that's one of my great ministering places, too. I have more prayer meetings at Starbucks. People are in need. Wherever you go, wherever you work, that is your mission field. Did you hear me? Wherever you work, wherever you are, that's your mission field. And it's about them seeing Jesus in you. There was a young lady one time, cussed like a sailor. She didn't like me at all. Can you imagine that? <laughs> Somebody told me, I said, Jim, not everybody likes you. I said, praise God, I'm in good company. But she come through, and her neck was just like, she said, oh, man, I hurt so bad. God says, pray for her. I want to heal her. I said, Lord, you know who she is? He didn't know that either. He said, I said, pray for her. I want to heal her. I got to go call the doctor, man. I got to go to the doctor. 
She walked back by again on the way to the phone. God said, I said, pray for her. I want to heal her and argue with God again. About that fourth time, I said, now, God, if she walks by one more time. And I was sure hoping she wouldn't. I'm honest. I work with a girl. Sure enough, here she comes. <laughs> I followed her into the break room. I said, Debbie, would you like for God to heal you? I wish somebody would do something. I said, where does it hurt? She showed me. I said, in Jesus' name. Pow. She started jumping up and down and cussing like everything. Oh, it don't hurt no more. It don't hurt no more. People say, why would you do that? Let me help you all with something. God never called you to save anybody. You can't save anybody. But you can sure share the gospel. Some plant, some water. God gives the increase. Man, that released me from a lot of burden. Because I thought I could save everybody. Couldn't save one soul. But God wants to help you.